Welcome to The Table, a weekly podcast where we discuss biblical principles and learn how to apply them to our everyday lives. In 2021, Pastor Don Castleberry will lead us on a journey through the Bible in chronological order and share with us insights that are sure to grow our faith. So relax, grab a seat, and thanks for joining us for this episode at The Table. Welcome back to The Table. In the year of 2021, we have been dissecting the chronological Bible. Uh, We've been going over this as a a church family and gathering around the table each week to discuss in our life groups and uh, opportunities where we have gathered together as a church body. And so I've brought the podcast this year into the the, uh, unity of that. And I told you a few weeks ago that if you are listening to this podcast for the remainder of the year, what we will do is try to pull biblical kingdom nuggets out of our daily readings because the Bible is about two kingdoms colliding. And if you're going to understand the Bible and it's going to be beneficial to the full for you, you must understand that it is not a westernized book. It's not a easternized book. It is a book about two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light colliding. It is about the kingdom of darkness who came and tried to uh, usurp authority over the kingdom of light to advance uh, its mission. But the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of God, steps in through the blood of Jesus uh, and restores order and reign of the kingdom. And so whenever Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what they lost was the kingdom. And it took from that time all the way up until the time of Christ for things to have to be synchronized and set in place for the kingdom of God to be reestablished on the earth. And so as we got into the Gospels a couple weeks ago, uh, I shared with you that I kind of get geeked out over the Gospels because what they do is they illuminate that the kingdom of God has returned full force back to the earth. And so it reveals our purpose and our place that we are to advance the kingdom of God at all costs. No excuses, um, no, no slowing down of the kingdom, no mishandling of the kingdom. We are called to advance the kingdom. And so on this episode, what we're going to discuss is the difference between symptoms and sources. And there is a great difference, and your victory and freedom in the kingdom of God will often be determined by where you direct your focus Where you spend your time and your energy is on sources or on symptoms. And it's exactly what Jesus was teaching us in our readings for this week, actually last week as well, was he did not get caught up in symptoms, but he always was directing people to source. What is the source? Because every symptom has a source. And you can learn and you can deal all you want with the symptom, but if you don't go and deal with the source, you will always suffer from the symptom. 
And so the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and the Roman Empire was trying to force their viewpoint on Jesus and constantly entrap him by his own words um, to, to get him punished and even actually even killed because he didn't speak as they spoke and he didn't get caught up in the symptoms. Now, the reason that they wanted to focus on this was because Jesus, and the reason they hated Jesus, was because Jesus threatened their power and their position. Anyone who reacts because their their power and position is threatened is not following the kingdom of God. And I'll just throw that out there. Anything you're fighting to keep, you've already lost. Andy Stanley teaches that in an incredible teaching that I learned years ago. And so what Jesus is teaching us in uh, our reading this week is they're constantly coming at him to try to, as I said, entrap him and get him to respond to symptoms. And so I, I love, uh, you know, the Bible. It's it's so uh, revelatory. It, it, it teaches us lessons behind the lessons. And so our reading starts out, Jesus is walking with his disciples and he's already confronted the Sadducees. Remember, I told you they're kind of like liberal. Uh, They always wanted to take away things from the Bible. And he's already confronted the Pharisees. They're more like the conservative. They always wanted to impose more rule or add uh, legalistic things to the Bible. And, uh, And the Bible meaning the Torah back in that day, that's what it would have been. They didn't have... The, the the full canonization of scripture that we have today as believers, um, I like to call the Bible the constitution of the kingdom. They only had the, the beginning parts of that, but they were using that, uh, what they walked and lived by, which they honestly, they didn't even live by it themselves, but they tried to entrap Jesus And if they realized if they could do that, they would pull him away from his purpose and slow down his mission, and it would keep them in power. But they also realized if the kingdom of God was to advance, it meant that they would lose their power because people would be equipped, and as they were equipped, truth would be revealed, and as truth was revealed, people would stop focusing so much on symptoms but they would actually understand what Jesus was teaching them, which was always ask yourself the question, what is the source? And so he teaches us some powerful lessons at the beginning of this. He's, he's walking with his disciples, and it says in John 12, verse 37, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, says they still would not believe in him. Now, I'm going to pause there because I think so often we must understand that if you go to a church or you follow a ministry that is solely focused on signs, wonders, and miracles, that will not keep people following Christ. 
Now, I am not one that says that is not for today. In fact, I'm the opposite of that. I'm a uh, Pentecostal pastor who believes greatly in the signs, wonders, and miracles, the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe if you are truly following Christ, those things will follow you as a believer. Uh, They are very much for today. But if you're trying to lead people to Christ or build your life around such things, that is not what we are called to do. And it says, even though Jesus performed those things, the people still didn't believe, and they saw Jesus doing it. And uh, it's hard to... to I, I, I read a, uh, a quote the other day that said, it's hard to hear the voice of God when you've already determined in your mind what you want him to say. That's how these people were. They had already come to a, a preconceived bias a preconceived idea of what they wanted, and they just wanted Jesus to back their bias. And it's kind of like the old saying, anything that you are looking for, you will find every time, if you look hard enough. And so they're trying to entrap Jesus, and so they begin to question him, and uh, Jesus has to put people in their place. But as they're on the journey uh, from one village to The next, it says that they walk by a fig tree and Jesus wants a snack. And so he goes to the fig tree and it does not produce figs. And so he curses this tree and it says he leaves there and he takes his disciples then to Bethany. This is interesting in the Bible because Bethany, if you look up the meaning of that town, that city, Bethany means the home of the figs. And so he was teaching his disciples and about to teach his disciples a powerful lesson in the kingdom. So he curses the unproductive tree. He goes to the source, the city of Bethany, the home of the fig. He teaches an incredible lesson while he's there. And then as they're exiting, They go back by this very same fig tree, and it is withered. And they're marveling at the fact that he spoke to something like a tree, and he had power and authority over it. And I would say this is what happens when you walk in your kingdom purpose, on your kingdom mission, is you walk with kingdom authority and power. See, he was not distracted by the Sadducees and Pharisees, who was barking in his ear. He was staying on assignment. So when he spoke, his words had power because he was drawing from another source. But he continues on, in case we're not understanding that lesson. And so it says, they challenged the authority of Jesus. And they start asking him by what authority he's doing these things, these miracles, these signs, these wonders. And he he tells them, um, he says, I'll answer your question if you answer mine. So they agree to this, and it says, Jesus asked them the question. He flips the 
the script on them. He says, he says to them, uh, I will ask, I will also ask you a question. And if you answer mine, I will tell you uh, where my authority comes from. He said, John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it heaven or was it human in origin? And so the religious people of the day, they go away to discuss this. And it says in your Bible, they realize that if they say from heaven, uh, he will ask, why didn't you believe in him? Because you're supposed to be, as religious people, believing in the things that come from heaven. But if we say it was of a human religion uh, or origin, they were afraid that the people uh, would come and attack them because they had such respect for John. See, what we learn is a few things here. One, who are you afraid of? Are you afraid of the king, Jesus, or are you afraid of the people? Now, who you're afraid of determines where you're walking. And Jesus is teaching also another incredibly powerful lesson, which was he would not reveal the source of his authority because they were wanting to deal with symptoms, not source. How many times in your day do you get distracted and sidelined by symptoms over sources? I was recently thinking, what causes us to drift out of our lane? I was on staff at a a church and there was a young lady who was on staff with me and she had a saying and she would constantly say, stay in your lane, Pastor Don. And I, that, that began to resonate in my, my spirit. And as I was reading this, what they were trying to do was pull Jesus out of his lane. Get him to chase a source or a symptom. But Jesus understood his source and his source kept him in his lane. So I, I thought about the question, what makes us leave our lane? Sometimes it's our choices. We choose symptoms over sources because of our choices. You know, sometimes we enjoy the symptom. We want to stay the victim. We want to stay the center of attention. And so we leave our lane. As long as it makes the attention stay on us, it's a choice. Sometimes it's by force. You ever been driving on the road and you've been forced out of your lane into another lane simply to protect yourself and others. So you're forced out of your lane. Sometimes it's a distraction. We are distracted and so we leave our lane and we chase symptoms, which is what they were trying to get Jesus to do was leave his lane. But Jesus never left his lane. Sometimes 
I believe it's because of what social media has created. And we are under the deception that we think that everyone wants to hear our voice. Everyone wants our opinion. Everyone wants to hear our thoughts on everything. And so we drift out of our lane into another lane we're not supposed to be in, which is constantly what the Sadducees and Pharisees was trying to get Jesus to do. But he did not drift. He stayed in his lane because he understood the source that was driving him. And he understood where he was going. And social media has created this deception that everybody needs your thought on everything. Sometimes it's control issues. Sometimes it's insecurities. So many things cause us to drift out of our lane. And if you're listening, I would echo in your ears what that, that, that young lady echoed in my ears a few years ago when she said, stay in your lane. You see, what Jesus is teaching us is if a, a kingdom principle that if we're going to walk in the power that he has for us, that power is only provided in our lane. Power wanes when we leave our lane, when we go and we do things and say things and chase things that we're not supposed to do because we are called to stay plugged into our source. And we're to recognize the, the source of the enemy and not be distracted by the symptoms that would lure us to leave our lane. The danger of drifting out of your lane is it hurts you, it hurts other people, it hurts the cause of the kingdom, it hurts relationships, it burns bridges, and it burns kingdom influential clout that whenever God puts you in a place where he wants you to speak, you've now burned the clout of that because your voice doesn't carry the weight that it should because you got involved so many times in petty things that you chased that you wasn't called to chase. And so Jesus is teaching us with the Sadducees and the Pharisees the power of staying where he's positioned us and only within the boundaries of our lane. Now, if somebody else crosses into your lane, I believe it's a kingdom assignment for you then to bring kingdom truth and influence to the situation, which we see later happens. Jesus continues to talk and teach these people what I'm talking about. In one instance, they bring to him a coin and they ask him if he believes in paying taxes. Because they understand if he says no, he is fit to be arrested. But if he says yes, they're going to try to twist his words on him to entrap him. But Jesus, because they've now drifted into his lane, he does not get distracted by the symptom. In fact, he goes right to the source. He says, bring me a coin. He asked them, Whose face do you see on the coin? And they, he, they hold the coin. He holds the coin. Uh, they give it to him. He, he's showing them and teaching them a lesson. And they say, Caesar's. He's pointing out a source. 
He says, you give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And so they realized that their trickery, their drifting into his lane to get him to chase a symptom did not work. And I love this. They follow it up. The Sadducees then begin to have a conversation with him uh, about the resurrection. And they get down to uh, Luke 20, verse 34, and it says, Jesus replies to them. They're talking to him about if a man dies um, and he leaves his wife, should his brother take her to be a spouse? And they're trying to entrap him again on the boundaries of marriage. And Jesus says in verse 38, uh, he is not a God of the dead, but he is a God of the living because they're trying to get him to focus more on the dead things than the living things. He says he is not a God of the dead, but of the living for him who is alive. And then he kind of has a mic drop moment. And I love 39. It says this, uh, some of the teachers of the law responded, wow, well said, sir. Well said, teacher. And it says this, and no one dared to ask Jesus another question. Because he never chased the symptom, Jesus was always focused on the source. Where did that thought come from? Who's directing your words? It may be your mouth, but what's the spirit behind your words, your attitude? And so he goes on to talk about the, uh, the, the three men with talents and what they do with their talents, right? And then he gets into the the ten virgins and how some of them prepared for his coming and some of them did not prepare for his coming. And the ones that prepared had filled their, their uh, lanterns with oil, but the ones that did not, uh, they sat on the sideline. And then when the king came, they told the people that had prepared to share their oil with him, with them. And they were busy um, chasing their comfort and their convenience, but wanting the benefits and the completeness of the kingdom. And can I just share right here and just pause again for a moment to say, the kingdom is not comfortable. The kingdom sometimes is lonely. It's a push. In fact, the Bible says the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. What they was really wanting was socialism. And we see here it doesn't even work. It has no place in the kingdom. Those that work, you actually go back and read this in Proverbs, the man that does not eat, our work does not eat. Those that work have blessings that those that do not work do not have. That's not opinion. That's not theology. That's biblical truth. That's kingdom principle. And so he teaches us that with the men with the talents. You know, he tells them uh, what to do. And their job was to advance and multiply the kingdom, not multiply excuses. And in fact, the one with excuses was left out of the kingdom. And so... It is our job to be good stewards of everything that God has done uh, and given us. And he 
who's faithful with little, God will entrust with more of his kingdom, uh, territory, and resources. And that's what we're learning from the story of the ten virgins. It said, you know, the ones that was not prepared, the socialists, they come to the ones that had done what they were supposed to do. And I, I would say... God always gives us as citizens of the kingdom an opportunity to prepare for what is coming. This is why we must be people of his presence. We must be plugged into the source because he reveals what is ahead. He does not catch us by surprise if our lamp is full of oil and light is brightly burning. So as we close today, I would ask you the question, do you spend the majority of your time chasing symptoms or going to the source? Do you spend a lot of your time drifting out of your lane, burning energy and relationships because you're distracted rather than being focused on the source. And if that's you, I would just say you would repent. And what that word repent means, that's a, a kingdom word. That means that you would change the way that you think and you would change the way that you act and you would stay in your lane as Jesus taught us this week. You would stay on assignment and mission. You would do what he the uh, five wise virgins did and you would make for sure you're plugged into the source that your tank is fuel, full of fuel you would stay on mission and assignment and you would be prepared because the king is coming let me pray for you lord i pray for the one that is listening right now and they have maybe been struggling to hear your voice, but maybe it's because they've drifted from their lane and they find themselves at a table that you did not call them to be at. They find themselves in a lane where you did not call them to be at. And so I pray they don't overcorrect, but that they slightly drift back into the lane that you called them and that they stop chasing symptoms and they go to the source. They would realize that people are not their enemy. Their boss is not their enemy. Their wife or husband is not their enemy. Their kids are not their enemy. Uh, the politicians are not their enemy. The school board is not their enemy. The Bible says that we, we wrestle with the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of light always prevails. And so teach us, God, how to stay in our lane. Stop dealing with symptoms. See the source. Stay on mission. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you for joining me today at the table. Well, hey, as I said, that's all the time we've got here at the table today. Thanks for joining us. 
If you've been blessed by this episode, would you do two things? One, share this episode with a friend and hit the subscribe button if you are not yet subscribed. And until next time, we'll see you right back here at the table. Welcome to the table. On this episode, we are going to dive into our readings from November the 1st to the 4th. We're not going to get into a full week. As I have discussed in previous episodes that we are going to use the remainder of the year to pull biblical kingdom nuggets out of our daily readings from the chronological Bible study. And on this episode, we have back with us Pastor John. Welcome back, Pastor John. It's good to be back here at the table. For those of you that do not attend Pony Assembly of God and you do not know who Pastor John is, he is our youth pastor here at the church. And he comes all the way from Nebraska via Texas, <laughs> or from Texas yes. via Nebraska. Yeah, I had that backwards. Texas, Nebraska, Illinois. Sorry. Hey, on this episode, we are going to be talking about, uh, I've t- entitled this episode, Hush Until You Are Healed. And there's a lot of meat breaking down uh, the last week of Christ's life. And it begins in the Garden of Gethsemane, and mm-hmm. we learn the betrayal of Jesus. John, have you ever read the Bible, man, and just uh, you came across something that you wondered, I wonder if that's really true, like physically able to be true? Oh, yeah. Like, like uh, you know, like, I mean, even like Revelation stuff or like you look at and they, they see something and you're like, is it, could that be true? And then you like look at it from a scientific perspective and you, and then uh, science proves that what we read in the Bible is true. So what what would be something that you read in the Bible and you did, went to do research on because you wondered, man, I wonder if that's really physically able to be true. Is there anything that stands out? Well, I mean, we're in, we're in the garden, so the blood that Jesus sweat from his pores. I was I always wondered, I was like, well, is that just a Jesus thing? But looking into it, it's not just a Jesus thing. It actually does happen. Yeah. Dude, I've had that happen on uh, multiple occasions. I remember the first thing uh, when I really got saved and curious about the Word of God. I had come across the story of uh, the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. And I thought, man, I wonder if that's even possible, like, that the sea could be separated the way that it is. And the way that my brain works, I just begin to do research. And I found, I came across the documentary, and it's called The Graveyard at the Bottom of the Red Sea. And it's documentation of guys who got uh, submarines. They were not believers. Uh, They were just a submarine uh, company who wanted to go see if they could find artifacts of where they believed this would have taken place. And so they took submarines, and to their astonishment, they found all kinds of chariots and weapons Mm. and even uh, the remainder of a skeletal system of... Um, human skeletons and horse skeletons that's been fossilized in the bottom of the sea. And they was like, there is no doubt in their mind uh, that that was not only possible, but that was probably where it took place because there's no reason that there would be that many chariots just laying in one location (laughs) at the bottom of the ocean. Yes, yes, that would be a long swim if you're trying to take a horse on a swim. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't like they were uh, riding the uh, chariot. Uh, fairy and the fairy sunk. Yeah, <laughs> that so, is very true. So it was what the Bible said it wasn't. And, and I had the same question, man. 
I was like, I wonder if it's actually physically possible or if anyone else uh, has sweat blood. I had this happen on another occasion, first of all. Uh, I, I remember, man, reading this story of Jonah and the well. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's a cool story, but I wonder if anyone else has ever been swallowed by a well. And uh, in fact, it was commonplace to uh, what was called wellers, those who hunted wells back in the day. And uh, oftentimes uh, it would kill them and they would never be found. But there was also, there's physical, historical reports of men that survived that. And they came out of the stomach acids of the well completely bleached. And uh, I was like, that blew my mind. So <laughs> I began to study and I was like, um, what do you call it? Or is it possible, I guess, for someone to be uh, have the ability to sweat droplets of blood? And pronounce that word again. Can you pronounce that? Oh, yeah, it's, apparently it says hematridosis. Hematridosis. Your pronunciation, I promise you, is far better than mine on that. <laughs> uh, but in my research, what I found out, man, was not only is it possible, it's very rare, but it has happened actually on a few occasions, um, not only historically, but even in a couple of occasions um, in our modern day world. And what causes it uh, this is the gist of what causes it. So under your skin, where your sweat glands are, there's a mm -hmm. spider web of veins. Yeah. And those are called uh, capillary veins. And under immense stress or emotional pressure, uh, or even sometimes physical pressure, uh, it can cause those veins to rupture and the blood will seep into the sweat glands, causing you to uh, literally sweat droplets of blood. Yeah. And they've seen this happen um, in like uh, UFC fighting, for example. If a guy gets hit, uh, he could literally have blood that comes out of his tear ducts of his eyes. And uh, it's the exact same diagnosis. Uh, Hematridosis, I think is how you say mm -hmm. that. And so what happened with Jesus was it was the immense um, physical, mental, and emotional stress that was taking place in his body as he knew not what was coming, yeah. uh, that he was uh, begins to sweat these droplets of blood. The story is amazing, yeah. dude. It wasn't a kick to the face like in UFC. It was a inner just turmoil on the inside yeah. that just basically caused so much pain that it began to come from the pain you would rupture the veins from the inside like that that's a lot of pain to oh, be dude. sweating blood it makes you really i mean if you really pause and you think about it it makes you realize the power of stress i mean the things that stress can do to your body Yes, sir. You can feel like you're dying and it be stress. Mm -hmm. You can die from stress. Yep. Um, it can shut organs down. Uh, it can shut our uh, mind, our will, our emotions. It can cause them to cease and shut down mm -hmm. and freeze up. And uh, it causes heart attacks. Uh, 
and stress is one of those things where it's like it's so incredibly powerful the emotion and it was because Jesus knew what was coming to the fact he he asked the father if there's another way <laughs> you know that gives me hope bro like yeah. cuz there's times in life where God will do things and it's like lord is there another way to do this yeah. you know you ever All had, right i'm done you're right <laughs> i'm good but that's far enough when can I go home? Or when do you when you turn around? When do you give up? Is there an easier, more comfortable way? God, is there a place with a house next to a lake? Right. <laughs> is there a way around things in your life? Have you ever had uh, prayed a prayer and then had God give you the opportunity to answer? He's answered the prayer, and then you realized, man, that was probably wasn't a prayer I should have prayed. Right. Yes. To get one specifically to be able to tell it, it's hard for me to remember. But I do remember saying, I'm not going to do that again. (laughs) Because it was not a good situation. You know, whenever you ask for things that are outside of his kingdom, it's always going to fall short. And it's always going to leave you hanging. Yeah. Like on the inside. This isn't what I thought it would be. You know what I mean? Like. You're you're looking for what you can have happen to satisfy you, but really, it's God. He's the one who knows exactly what you need, and it's trusting in that. You know? Well, and even even producing His fruit. I mean, sometimes it's the good things like the self control or patience. Just using those two. When we pray for that, God's like, "Do you really want the pruning that's about to come to develop that in your life?" And mm-hmm. so He doesn't just give you self control and patience; He gives you an opportunity to grow self control and patience. And usually, it's a very painful opportunity or yeah. a excuse me, a hard opportunity uh, that we must uh, work through to develop what we we're asking for. Yep. And so that's the right. the freedom that was about to come to the world had to come through. The Messiah had to come through Jesus, and he's having a moment, and he's in the garden. And I've just been thinking about this, dude. Like, he's in the garden, and when he needed the disciples the most, they were asleep. Yep. They he, were sleeping he was, snoozing. Dude, he was alone. Alone. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, you just poured out this amount of time with them every single day, taking care of them, making sure they ate, making sure, I mean, list probably listening to them, answering all their questions, being there when they need, when they needed him. And here he is in his time of need and they're nowhere to be found or they're found sleeping. <laughs> and, and dude, it's, it's, it's crazy when you look at this. Okay. This is kingdom principle. I'm about to pull out of the word. Jesus' response to them was amazing. He doesn't condemn them. He doesn't beat them down. He doesn't say, how dare you be asleep? He goes back to them, and he says that they are to stay awake and pray. And he says this, that they will not fall into temptation. And so that word temptation, it means a proving ground or a trial that's about to take place, an experience or a a big test that's coming up. And so he's yeah. telling them not to pray for him, 
But he says, pray for yourself because there's a trial coming. There's a proving ground for your faith that's coming. And I don't want you to give way and fall away with what's about to happen to you. So Jesus is sweating droplets of blood. He, he's under immense pressure and stress. He knows the cross is coming. And he's telling them, pray for yourselves. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Can you, uh, when we are going through stuff, we want it to be all about us. The pain I feel, the, what the, the, the trial I'm going through. Yeah. Like whether it's a kid or it's finances or it's, you know, debt or health or, or anything. We want it to be about us. And Jesus, even he could have said, don't you care? Don't you know? Yeah. Like, this is what's going to happen. And he's in the worst spot of life. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't get much lower than than this, than this moment for Jesus, if you could say it, Jesus in a low moment. But he he was down to be broken and to be bled, to be stripped and beaten up and wrongly falsely. He was, all of those things was coming from this moment. Yeah. And instead of saying, don't you care? Don't you... He didn't find himself. He didn't find his freedom, his comfort, his his direction, his purpose in his people around him. He still found it in the Father, even yeah. in the midst of his broken part or his wanting to pass the cut part, wanting to not do something. Even Jesus was like, I, I, I can find in, in my Father still. Yeah. And that was really cool to see Jesus not, he wasn't insecure. You know, he wasn't trying to feel better. That's good, dude. He so. he did not get stuck in the ditch that the, that he found himself in that day. He, mm-hmm. he didn't find himself talking about the trial. He was talking about the triumph. He never lost sight of the mission. And he, of all people, could have said, do you not know what I'm about to go through? Yeah. I, I've told you, I've warned you, I've walked with you three years. Mm-hmm. I've talked to you on a daily basis about what's coming. We're here now. This is where we're at. We're in the final moments of the game. And here you are sleeping. You're asleep. <laughs> Offend- he could have been offended. <laughs> right. He could have been offended. Yep. He could have said, after all I've done for you. Yep. He did none of that. He stays on the mission mm. and he extends the olive branch of love and grace. It's like, wow. That's nuts. And so it continues though, dude. It says, uh, so he says to them that they would not fall into temptation. And then he says, it says he withdrew. And that word withdrew in the Greek means he tore himself away from the moment to get back into the mission. So he goes back away and he prays. And it says he comes back and it says he finds them asleep. And it says he is exhausted from sorrow. Um, and and I thought about this last statement when it says he found them asleep, but he was exhausted from sorrow. So many people that walk with us will never feel our pain. Nope. Even some of those that are the closest to us. Yes, sir. They cannot bear or carry your pain. Yes, sir. That is, that is the truth. I remember 
whenever, you know, like I lost either or was lost my mom or my dad, it's same people, same or not same people, but same question is how are you doing? Yeah. Are you doing okay? It's like, um, like they're completely don't understand the loss of the, uh, what the pain was going on, on the inside, what was happening on the inside. All they really wanted me to do is say good so that they could walk away. You know, right. like they were right, just looking, right, right. like you see that I care for you for a moment, but just say you're good so I can leave. It was basically like that. Like the pain that I, you know, I felt in those moments was, was very, very real. I was just exhausted to the point of, I got nothing like I, I, you're not, I'm not crying. There's, there's nothing coming out, but it's just, it was crazy that Jesus was exhausted to the point of sorrow, like, uh, or from sorrow anyways. Yeah. Correction. But I, I totally, I, I mean, I have not even been close to Jesus, what Jesus carries. Cause Jesus, that is a whole nother ball game. I mean, I, I, what I've gone through is, not even pennies. It is it is dust compared to what Jesus went through. Yeah, and when you think about like what you're saying, so so often people they mean well, but I, I dude, I read something. It said, um, "Never let people criticize criticize the shoes that you walk in if they've never tied the laces." And it's like, never let people tell you, you know, I know what you're going through if they've never been there because they don't. Mm-hmm. And But what I take away is what Jesus, he realized this principle, what he was doing in that moment, he was understanding they could not even begin to comprehend his sorrow because his sorrow came from a place of, of something that they had not yet seen. Mm-hmm. And so there's things in life that we're sorrowful for in our soul that grieves our, our soul that the guy standing right next to us, it doesn't even affect him. And so I, I had written in my journal, uh, we often don't, don't think about how we affect other people. And they don't think about how they affect us. Nor do we think about how we even affect ourselves. Hmm. Because we focus on the That's pain good. rather than the truth. Oh, yeah. And so Jesus is keeping things focused on mission. And so... It's at the hour, he, he's, he's, he's uh, awakened by torches co- coming through the woods. And we see this in uh, all the Jesus movies and shows. <laughs> and it's just these Roman soldiers who's coming with Judas. And, uh, and actually, that's not how it would have happened. Actually, it's believed that there would have been the Roman soldiers and there would have been the Sanhedrin and there would have been the church council and there would have been Ju- uh, Judas... But there also would have probably been a couple hundred people who was just attracted to drama. Yeah, like small town drama. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's like the the, the sirens go off here in yep. small town and you're like, what's happening? You people know? are following the fire, fire truck, <laughs> yeah, right? They yeah. want to know where's the fire truck going. Yeah. And, and so it would have been like that. And so there would have been people all around watching the drama unfold and so G- Judas shows up and it's an interesting story Jesus sees Judas emerge from the crowd and he says to him do what you came to do but he says something at the end of the statement he says friend and that word friend 
if you look it up, is the same friend that he would have used in addressing any of the other disciples. <laughs> the same amount of love. He did not say, you hypocrite, you traitor. I you, told you so. <laughs> you betrayer. Yeah, he didn't name call. Ugh. He looks at him and says, friend. <laughs> that is... Dude, somebody who's about to get you murdered. Yeah. And he calls him... Torture you. Friend, torture you. Mm-hmm. You're about to be beat because of their lie. You're about to be... Falsely imprisoned because of a lie that they told. Mm. And he says, friend. For a few more pieces of silver. Wow, dude. Just That's all they. That's all Judas is going to get out of the wow. situation. But Jesus still had a friend. He's, Jesus said, I still view you as a friend. <laughs> Whether you view me as a friend or not, I view you as a friend. You can't, it's like you can't control how much I love you type of love. Wow. Yeah. And so it goes on to say that Judas emerges mm. and uh, some of the disciples, they pull their swords out and Jesus instructs them to pull their, put their swords away. And we know the story of Peter. He <laughs> flips out and he cuts a guy's ear off. But Judas <laughs> in the midst of this uh, comes forward and he gives a kiss on Jesus's cheek as a sign uh, to the, the Roman soldiers and the Sanhedrin that this is the man. They, they had given him the silver, uh, 30 pieces of silver, but the symbol, the, the thing that he, of everything he could have chose, he chose a kiss and a kiss is the most, the most deepest form of intimacy between two friends. Yep. And so Jesus allows Judas to come and approach him and give him the the deepest, most intimate symbol of friendship. And then Judas withdraws, says they take him, but it says all of the disciples then desert him and they 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 fled they went away and so we're quick to criticize judas in that moment but the reality was when pressure came they all ran bye jesus they all turned into thomas yep bye they all turned into judas yeah nobody had his back even peter who cut off the guy's ear didn't have his back because the reason they fled was because they feared for their own lives. Everyone had a back door in their heart to leave. Jesus. Oh man, that's good, dude. Everyone was looking had an exit. And they already had the exit there and they didn't even realize it was there. Jeez. And so it's it's crazy because so Jesus is taken and it says uh he was knowing what was about to happen when he asked uh he asked them as they're coming in, uh, the way John records it, he says, who do you want? And they said, Jesus. He says, I am he. And when he spoke, the power of God made all of those that had come to the garden that night fall backwards. So they knew who they were getting. They take Jesus, though. The disciples have fled. Uh, they've ran. And then 
Peter denies Christ to protect his life. And we've heard the story, you know, he denies himself uh, to a young girl around the campfire. But there's actually something that I had never thought about. Jesus had talked to Peter and he told Peter this was going to happen before they ever even got to Gethsemane. And now it happens and it says when the, the rooster crowed, it says in, in our Bible that when the rooster crows, uh, he came to his senses and he remembered the word of God. He remembered what Jesus had said to him. And the Lord kind of quickened me when I read this and he said, the purpose of a rooster is awakening. God could have used any animal, but he uses the animal that was meant at that time to wake the people up. <laughs> and so everything yep. he does is of significance to the kingdom. So the rooster crows, and he, uh, he comes to his senses. He realizes what he's done, but now it's too late. So now you have two disciples. And uh, from two spectrums that find themselves in the same place. Now, it's interesting, too, that we're quick to criticize Peter and his denial, but he was the only one that followed Jesus. The yeah. rest of them had scattered. We don't know where they went, but we know this. Because he was even accused means he was the only one that was there following to watch what was about to take place. I believe Judas was there as well because Judas comes back to the temple and he throws the money to them, basically begging them to stop later. And he realizes he's committed a grave error. Uh, <laughs> took a bit. <laughs> took, a, took a bit for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he tries to make right what he did that was wrong, but the consequences of what he has done is already set in motion. Yeah. And I think... Man, dude, there's a lot we can take away from oh, the, there's so much, the uh, nugget of that. Of yeah. When we react and we throw out um, our own agenda and motive in front of the kingdom, mm -hmm. though God forgives us, sometimes it sets things in motion that not even our trying can reverse. Yeah, he tried to, Judas went back to try to fix it like he started it. So he tries to go exactly the way that he got the silver. Go the same way, same strength, same amount of silver. He just tried to redo what he did, just an opposite, right? Right. He tried to do it within his own, uh, his own self, his own power. But the blood is already being drawn. The 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 writing's already on the wall. There's already a crack in the dam. There's yeah, I mean it's just some it's now it's just Judas was he was wanting to take control of his life and because he tried to take control of his life and get that silver and to inherit the world, he actually lost control. And it cost him his life. It cost him his life. The and very thing he was trying yeah. to guard and protect. Yeah. And so it's crazy because now things are set in motion, though, and we'll go back and we'll talk about Judas, not to get ahead of him, because you're exactly right. But it says, uh, so the Sanhedrin, they now have Jesus, but it says Peter was off at a distance. And so many people begin to falsely uh, pro uh, 
testify against Jesus. And you know, I, I was thinking of my own life. Have you ever been at a place where somebody, I mean, completely falsely testified against you? Maybe on a job, oh, uh, in a school. Yes. You don't have to give a specific oh, instance. But you know, we know how that feels. When somebody says you said something or you did something that you know totally is, is a lie. You, you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Or that's not exactly what you said. Or your words are being twisted. And we live in a culture, a cancel culture, oh, yeah. where this is done all the time. <laughs> yeah. yep. And by the time the truth is revealed often, the damage is done. Yeah, the they, cities they, are tore up. Yeah, they lose lose their jobs and their families. Sometimes their lives. Jail. Lives. Yep. Yep. You're right. We live in a a cancel culture where nobody stops to examine the truth. And listen, we see it now as clear as ever, mm-hmm. where a lie can be thrown out on social media, on a, a public platform via the news, something, and culture buys into what is mass produced. Never stopping to check the source. Never stopping to check the accuracy. And that's what took place here. And so they're they're all falsely accusing Jesus. But I love this. In uh, Mark 14, verse 61, it says, But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. (laughs) He hushed until healing came. Healing only comes from truth. So he refuses to even defend himself. He refuses to get in the arena of a lie. Ooh, that's so good. But how often do we have to defend ourselves? I mean, all the time. You could, I mean, just think about that. You you do something wrong. You hurt someone. You maybe do something. Someone sees you. You think you have to protect this image. So Jesus wasn't trying to protect the image that he was the son of God, that he was uh, the king of the Jews. He wasn't trying to protect an image. He just, he is. Like he had nothing else to say because he was exactly. What a lie. Oh, I think, man, what you're saying, what a lie always attacks is identity. Absolutely. And Jesus knew his identity. And therefore, he never had to address a lie. I, I had a quote years ago I had hanging above my desk. It said, a, bar, uh, it said uh, a firm lion never pays attention to a barking dog. In other words, if you're a lion, you're not intimidated by the dog that's always barking. Mm-hmm. That's always shooting off uh, falsities at you because you know who you are. You know, oh, yeah. if the dog really attacks you, the dog's toast. Jesus knew who he was, so he never had to stoop to where they were. When we know who we are in the kingdom, we don't have to address who people on earth accuse us to be. Yeah. And that's not walking in arrogance. That's walking in confidence. Mm -hmm. That's understanding who and whose you are. Yeah, that's good. And so that's, you're right, man. That's where Jesus was walking. And... So you get down to verse 62 and it says, the, the high priest stood up and he said to Jesus, uh, hey, aren't you going to answer? Hmm. He said, what is the testimony 
Uh, aren't you going to answer the testimony that these men are bringing against you? And again, Jesus says nothing. Because he understood free people, free people, hurt people, hurt people. And when you're hurting, you could say or do something really, really foolish in that moment. Oh, yeah. That you don't get to take back. That damages. Yes, sir. That's true, man. And so Jesus is understanding this, and it drops down again to verse 67, and it says, uh, the Sanhedrin begins to accuse him and say that he's worthy of death. And they answer the crowd. And it says they spit on him and they struck him with their fist. And with their open hand, they slapped him. And they said, prophesy to us now, you Messiah, who's hit you? And so they're mocking him. And I was thinking about when the crowd is ro ro uh, rallied up, you have to be very careful where you, which crowd you find yourself in. Because you can react and do something really foolish just because everyone else is doing it. Mm -hmm. And then live with regret the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, I saw on the news recently about a young man who was with a group of friends and they went to a club and they were, they were drinking alcohol and he got behind the wheel of his car. This guy's a millionaire. I mean, he's set up for life. Got behind the wheel of a car to go home, he was driving over 150 miles an hour drunk and killed a 23-year-old woman. And so now he finds himself, this literally just happened within the last couple of days, now he finds himself from what, just this time last week, he, he thought he was on top of the world, mm -hmm. and because he chose to hang with the wrong crowd, he's now in prison for the rest of his life. He's now lost all of his freedom for the rest of his life because of one poor decision that he made in a crowd of people. Yep. Be careful the crowd that you keep. And so they continue on, and it talks about how, how Jesus was, uh, he was brought to the chief priest, and uh, at this time he's been beat, he's been spit upon, he's been mocked. Um, and they ask him questions or after questions, and he never opens his mouth. He only opens his mouth whenever they ask him if he's a king, <laughs> which that's a whole other kingdom conversation for another podcast. But he said, it is as you say it is. He says, you're, you're right, I'm a king. My kingdom's not of this world. So he doesn't go in the ditch of their lies but he never denies the truth. Yeah. He never denies the truth, but he never, uh, would you say, or could you say, uh, uh, how, how would you put it, Petey, where you, you uh, give attention to the lie? Oh, yeah. Where you, don't you feed the where lie. You, where you draw that, you know. What you, what you address draws attention Negative or positive. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the way Jesus does it, he just refuses to answer. He's like, because of he knows his identity, he says, I don't have to stoop to the level of even answering that. In fact, it says in the Bible that Jesus made no reply to one single charge 
And it says, and this was to the great amazement of the governor, which was Pilate. (laughs) And so Pilate is blown away. He's like, man, this crowd is about to have you killed. These religious people are about to have you murdered. Say something. And Jesus (laughs) doesn't speak a word. Unless they're asking him a question of truth. And then he gives a short answer. (laughs) I am who you say I am. And so Pilate doesn't know what to do. He's like, man, I see no reason to kill the guy. He takes him to Herod. It's funny. The religious people are the ones that want to kill him. And the one who just is doing Rome's business wants nothing to do with him. He's trying to get out of this clean. He's trying to... Sweep this one underneath the rug like it never happened. I think it's because, man, the the this is so deep. But I think the world sometimes even sees the motive of the church when the motive of the church isn't pure and the church doesn't see it themselves. <laughs> That's a deep. There's so many times in history where people That's have deep. been murdered by in the name of religion thinking they were doing the work of the Lord. I mean, you go back to the Crusades, you go to all of these religions that's been split-offs, you go to the false religions of uh, Islam and the extreme Muslims that's out there, um, and they think what they're doing is right. Yeah. But the world can even look at that and see the hatred in it. There's only one true God, and that God is Jesus. And Jesus, when he's being falsely accused, he never opens his mouth to defend himself. Because he understands the truth needs no defense. The truth defends itself. Boom, mic drop. The truth always preaches last. Yeah. The truth always is revealed. False motives are always revealed. False words are always revealed. But the truth is always, always revealed because it's what exposes the lie. And so Jesus, mm, that's good. over and over, man, he says he answered nothing. And then I saw something I had never seen before. It says down in verse, uh, in my Bible, it says in Luke 23, it says, uh, Herod, with his soldiers, they ridiculed and they mocked Jesus, and they begin to dress him in elegant robes, and they send him, check this out, so back to Pilate. He's like, man, I'm not killing this guy. And the reason is, is because they did not want his blood on their hands because they could be punished for falsely murdering an innocent man in the world system. (laughs) And it says this, though. It says, that day, Herod and Pilate became friends, for before this day, they had been enemies. They became friends over Jesus, who neither one of them wanted to kill. They became friends over the Sanhedrin that they did not like. They had a common enemy, which was not Jesus. It was the church. Think about that. And so they become friends. He sends him back to Pilate, and Pilate's like, dude, I I can't find no reason to kill the guy. And so, again, Pilate says to Jesus, these are the accusations that's brought against you. And the Bible says he's done nothing wrong. 
Now, by this time, he's been scourged. He's been beat beyond recognition. His flesh is hanging off of his body. And, and Pilate thought, we'll scourge him really good and we'll set him free. And he's like, just to say something. And Jesus never addresses a lie. Because he understands to address the lie empowers the lie. Mm. He only speaks truth. And so, it says uh, he gives them no answer, and we know the rest of the story. The result of that is he's put to death for your sin and my sin. And I went back and I was looking, and I'll share this and see what you have for closing thoughts. I went back and I was looking, and it was interesting to me, the one who sold him out, Judas, he gives him a, a, a kiss on the cheek when he sells him out, and he says one word, Rabbi. So he had a, he had a, a way that he was going to mark the Messiah with a kiss, but also with his words. And what was interesting about that was at the Last Supper, when Jesus is telling the disciples around the table, one of you will betray me, they all ask the question, Lord, is it I? The Bible records this in Matthew chapter 26, except for one man, and that man is Judas, and he never addresses him as Lord. He says, Rabbi, is it me? The rest of them had said, Lord, which in the Greek means owner, the one we've surrendered our life to. But Judas says, teacher, he says, I've never really given my life to you. Mm. Just because we follow him doesn't mean we follow him. Yes. That's is good. he your teacher or is he your Lord? Closing thought. Well, just just kind of like two thoughts here is is one is is you know they ask is it I all the others but don't you think that's a, kind of like a do you know my business like do you know that I know like do you think it doesn't honestly doesn't say whether or not they all believed maybe it was that because they all had a back door which would leave him and they would all had a oh, back yeah. door yeah yeah you know maybe he's saying they all had motive they all had motive to you know when this thing gets bad enough. I'll leave. It showed the lack of their endness. It wasn't their commitment. Lord, that's not me. Like it, it, but is it I? That's a whole other thing. Is whenever you're asking a question because you're like, well, maybe it's me, or does he know? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like so. So what that, are they guarding? Well, yeah, exactly. When you're asking a question, normally you're kind of guarding. Well, does he? Normally, you're trying to figure out whether what he knows or what he doesn't know. So. For me, I was like, that look, kind of looks like the, the the disciples kind of already had in all in their heart. Yeah. Of, of leaving when it, it got too bad, there was a there was a threshold they would not pass. It seems like, but my next my next thing was was when you were talking about you know like what you say over people and what you, uh, our actions, the pain that it can cause on someone else. What seems like nothing to you is could be devastating to someone else. Yeah. Or if you're devastated, you could really do some devastation. Or even not even considering where they're at. Yeah. One day it may not it may just pass off of them like water on uh, an alligator's, but the next day it may soak into them like water 
in, in the, in the uh, fur of a bear. It depends the season or the day that they're in. Yeah. And, and I was just thinking, like, I know I've talked to you about this before, but, you know, like, if we can confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that we might be saved, if we have the power of our confession can 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 bring us to Christ and into heaven and into the kingdom through confession, what are the things that we confess about the most beloved people we have around us or yeah. the ones that are right next to us? What are we confessing about them? Good and bad, because there's not really anything in between. There's not actually not anything in between those. Does it bring life or does it bring death? The same power that you you apply with your words and you believe with your words can 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 receive Christ. Right. <laughs> it, it can receive Christ, but right. it, that same power, that same faith, that, that that same with that mouth can curse someone. So, my question is: is you know what? What are we saying about people? How are we limiting people by the way we talk to them or by the way we look at them or way we treat them? Yeah. You know, Jesus saw Judas's friend after. Up to the end. All the way to the end. That and and just as an example in that alone, Jesus still saw Judas as a friend. He still ate with all the disciples. He got his feet washed. He got a petty and a mani. He got everything. He got time with Jesus. He got the, he got everything, but still Jesus, and got then he but you got betrayed, but still Jesus, that was his friend. Yeah, That's so good, dude. He wouldn't say, "You're dumb," I told you so, or I can't believe you would do this. You're going to hell. All of these condemning things, he couldn't have. He didn't. He just loved. He him. didn't even lash out, you know. And what you're saying is so good. Uh, I think. That's a good way to close today, like the power of the word. Jesus understood that, and that's why he was very careful not to speak. Because, <laughs> dude, he realized he's in the weakest, most vulnerable moments of his life. Dude, he could have called the fire of heaven down. And he yep. knew that. Yep. And so I think it's a, it's a powerful lesson that we can all learn. Hush until you're healed. Be careful that you open your mouth when you're hurting. Yeah. Go away with the Lord and guard your heart to, to heal your mouth. That when you speak, you speak truth. Mm-hmm. You don't speak emotion. You don't speak opinion. You don't speak defense. You don't speak defense. You speak truth. Truth and love. And what will guide us in truth is when he becomes Lord and not just our teacher. Yep. All right, pray for somebody today that maybe they're struggling and they're just saying, man, I'm in a really, maybe I've never really made that line where I've crossed from teacher to Lord. Or they may say, I have, but man, I've said some things that I need to make right. You know, Father, I I thank you, God. Your your grace is more than sufficient. God, you're more than enough. You're not inadequate in your love or in your mercy. You bestow all of it onto us. You give us all things that we need. And Lord, I thank you. It says in your word that our your mercy is renewed every single day. God, so if we're feeling condemnation or guilt, God, it's not because you're mad at us or because, or because 
we've fallen too far or we're untouchable that you, or we can't approach you. It's actually the opposite. You come not to condemn the world, but you came to save us. You yeah. came to free us. You came to give us a life that no eye has seen or ear has heard of the wonderful things that you have for us. So, God, we just come to you with boldness, just knowing that your love, God, you it will never be separated from us. So, God, to the person who's dealing with, you know, s- sitting at the table like Judas and calling, you know, Jesus rabbi when really he's not just a teacher, that he is Lord. He is owner. God, that he doesn't sit through a meal or sit through a service or sit through life just calling you literally just rabbi and trading trading Lord for 50 pieces of silver. Yeah. God, that he would, he would lay down those motives and he would put their hearts down below and let the Lord take care of everything yes. that they own. And God, I just pray for the person who maybe is hurting, didn't realize the power of being, of, of hushing, of power of, of not speaking, the power of not de- going to their own defense, the power of, of being quiet and acting on truth and in truth. God, I thank you that your your love and your grace is more than sufficient for them as well. Yeah. God, they're hurting. And and it and it is the reciprocal pattern of this world is hurt people, hurt people, and it just keeps happening. The reason why there's sin is because there's hurting people that keep hurting people. So Lord, it's it's our natural want to hurt people. Like we want to hurt people. It's our natural default to go to. But Lord by you being Lord and us growing into your kingdom and your culture, your kingdom and culture is love, it's patience, it's self-control. It, 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 it has no records of wrong. And God, that's the, the, the love we want to, uh, to imitate towards every single one of us around us, even the Judases, even the ones that promise us everything and, to, and take from us everything. God, I thank you that you're, you're with those people right now, God. And, and finally, I'm just at the one who wants to just say, you know what? I just want to give my life to God. I just pray right now. It says in his word, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That he rose again three days later. That he was put to death and on the third day he rose again. That you would have everlasting life. That you would become a new creation. That you wouldn't have to go about, go upon the wayside like the religious people did and put Jesus to death. Or you don't have to be the citizens that slapped him. You don't have to be the one that, the, the, like the world that just wrongly accuses Jesus of who he is not. You could receive him as your savior, but more importantly, your Lord, your owner. That now that you you can be his. So Lord, I thank you that right now that as they prayed that and they believed in their heart and they received your love, that there is a a, uh, power that's happening in them. And Lord, I thank you that their everlasting life, God, is going to be connected and intertwined with yours. They are not separated from the love of the Father. They are now completely connected to the love of the Father. And may you continue and begin to plant them and watch them grow in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, hey, man, thanks for joining us at the table today. It's been awesome. Thank you. I love being back here. So we uh, are looking forward to connecting with you on each and every episode. If this has been a podcast that has blessed you, please uh, share it with a friend. Um, And remember, hush until you're healed. Speak truth and not emotion. Until next time, we'll see you right back here at the table.